This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 43, Comic Reviews for the week of January the 9th. And welcome to the show. This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 43. I'm Adam Chapman, and we're looking at the comic reviews for the week of January the 9th. Uh, First off, I wanted to apologize once again. It seems like this has been happening a lot lately, but episodes have been going up a little bit later than we've originally anticipated. Uh, For example, episode 42, which was the ABCs of Awesome, was originally supposed to go up on Wednesday the 9th, but unfortunately, uh, just due to recording issues uh, and actually being able to uh, have the appropriate time to sit down with my wife and record the episode, it ended up not going up until uh, Friday the 11th of January. Uh, So I decided that uh, I would eventually, I was going to eventually, sorry, originally I was going to plan to have the review episode up on January the 13th, which is its regular day, but I thought, you know what, everything, because the the last episode was a little bit late, I thought that I'd push it back one day, and I was hoping, uh, this was my original thought, that I would have more time available to actually read all the books that came out, because there's a lot of books that came out on the 9th. Uh, unfortunately, that wasn't quite the case, and to be honest, I, uh, just a lot of books, I, I started reading them, and I apologize, I just, some of them I had to put down just because they weren't grabbing me at all, and I, I realized that there were so many books to do that some I unfortunately wouldn't get reviewed this time around, because they had to at least give me some kind of hook, and that doesn't necessarily mean that every book I read this week was good, in fact, there was a lot of sixes. Um, it was kind of a weird book, a uh, weird, uh, week that a lot of books that I would have expected to be a lot better, uh, just kind of failed to really capture my attention as a reader, and that was very disappointing. So let's, uh, let's just jump right in. Uh, so let's, uh, start off alphabetically. Uh, our first book up is Action Comics number 16. Uh, not a huge fan of this, and I felt, again, it, this was a book that felt very confusing because Grant Morrison kind of does what Grant Morrison wants to do, and he doesn't really care about current continuity half the time, or at least that's the way it feels, because this is a New 52 book, but it references, a, uh, okay, not maybe not the death of Superman, but a death of Superman, and it's unclear what that means, and it just, it felt problematic and weird, and uh, I, I feel like Morrison's trying so hard to tell some weird uh, kind of weird meta crazy story here, and, um, I think he's gotten away from just telling solid Superman stories. This is what I loved about All-Star Superman. When he wrote it there, yes, there was, uh, there was obviously a, a bigger plan at play, uh, but a lot of the stories were just kind of fun, old-school, enjo- and the very enjoyable, uh, Superman action, that, whereas he, it just feels like he's put almost too much thought in action comics, and he's, uh, not really able to just kind of give us a good enjoyable read and it's simple instead he has to make it so complex and complicated that it kind of ends up losing the reader a bit uh which is very unfortunate because i mean he he has the potential to be a great uh a great writer but this is not his best work by any means um so this is issues by uh by brad walker and rags morales they did the pencils uh, so I guess they split up the work, and it was written by Grant Morrison. You have a little bit of the Legion of Superheroes, which I like, but again, I don't follow the Legion of Superheroes continuity, so I'm not really sure how that'll blend together and fits either. Um, you we're building on the storyline from last episode, this last episode, last issue. We're dealing with uh, the whole what's going on with uh, um, I guess Mitzelplik, basically. Uh, and then you also have like the the death of Superman, or this could be the second death of Superman. Uh, I, this just very, very much left me nonplussed. Uh, the last issue I thought was a lot more engaging. This one just kind of, 
uh, it felt like uh, a bunch of story beats that weren't actually all that well connected or put together. And so we were just like, boom, 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 but we're not, instead of a boom, boom, boom. And that makes no sense whatsoever, but that's the way it felt. Like, we're, we're, it felt like he was playing very staccato notes. Each note was kind of on its own and separate. But it, so when you're reading a periodical like this, a serial, uh, and not having any of these story elements kind of connecting, it makes the book feel more disjointed and it doesn't flow nearly as well. And I'm sure when this is all done, maybe when you read the storyline over from the beginning, it'll fit better. But especially as a, as a, as a monthly serial, this book is failing. Like, I think if I read all these chapters all at once, I'd, maybe I would think this is actually pretty crazy, but interesting and cool stuff. But the way that it's kind of been slapped together, uh, it, it it doesn't really work for me at all. And if you are loving action comics, you know, all my power to you, and I'm glad that someone's loving it. It's just not quite working for me. So I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. Um, next up is Age of Apocalypse number 11. Now, I can't remember what the exact issue was, but I missed the, the first, like, I think, arc. And then I, I remember I read an issue uh, because I was starting to do the podcast and I wanted to make sure I was reading as much as possible. And I absolutely loved it. And then ever since then, no issue has managed to uh, capture how exciting that issue was. That being said, this issue was actually pretty strong. The artwork at times, though, felt... Um, I mean, obviously, they're trying, there's, they're trying to achieve a certain style with the artwork it's very kind of patchy and not all that uh a lot of times it's very sketchy looking by uh dilatore but here it, at times it almost feels lazy it almost feels like i could i could illustrate this i could give it more detail or i could just not uh and that's kind of what i ended up getting from this and so i really like the story here i thought some of the character the character concepts were pretty cool just kind of seeing how this whole plan kind of plays out i'm interested, really interested to see what happens in the next issue but this isn't just didn't quite work so the artwork was by roberto de la torre with renato arlem on, on inks david laffin wrote it um basically you have the uh i guess the exterminators or whatever the team is called uh making their like, kind of their their big play to take down uh, Weapon X and get and it's kind of a Hail Mary pass um, and they're also going to take down uh, the Shadow King I actually really dug the story. The story was really strong and we're really excited to see where the story picks up the artwork could be so much better than this and I know it could be because Dilatari has had much better artwork in other books but this is just not really his thing it, I don't know it just it seems at times that there's certain panels if you read this issue they seem unfinished that's not good uh, I shouldn't be able to read through an issue of anything and feel like, you know what, eh, this could have been finished better. This could have, you know, it, it just looks like an unfinished work. It looks like he had a deadline and he kind of screwed up and he mismanaged his time and then he handed it in anyway and then they published it. And it's still not bad. It's still better than anything I could put together. I mean, I, I'm not that stupid to think like it's horrible art. I mean, it's still good art, but it could be better than this, so much better. And yeah, I, I would be the worst penciler ever. I would be worse than stick figures. My stick figures, what you would look at them and be like, why don't they look anything better than that? They'd be like, that's not even a good stick figure. That is what you would say if I illustrated any book. Uh, so I gave, I gave it a, I guess, six and a half. I, I think the story deserves a lot more than that, especially because I'd kind of been up and down on the book in general in the last, uh, I guess, maybe five or six issues. This felt like a return to form for what I really first kind of came in the book with and really loved and enjoyed. So I'm hoping we get more of this story, but better artwork. Uh, next up is Animal Man number 16. Uh, I didn't realize, uh, according to, I guess, the ending of uh, Swamp Thing, I was reading the the next issue bubble, and it looks like, I guess, this storyline's over next uh, 
next month. I'm not entirely sure if that's true or if it's just beginning. It just says like at the end of this issue, it says the final battle begins. Uh, Swamp Thing number sixteen definitely makes it sound like the, it's all ending, now, at least starting then next month. So I'm excited that Rot World will finally be over. That being said, like there's some cool concepts. It's just it just feels I don't know. I I think it's not even the story. The story is kind of interesting and cool and weird. Jeff Lemire wrote this issue. Uh, and was also the artist, I guess, on pages 1 to 4, 8 to 14, and 18 to 20. And then you had uh, Timothy Green the second uh, doing pages 5 to 7. And, um, what was it? Pages 5 to 7 and 15 to 17. Um, not a huge fan of this issue's artwork. Uh, I did like the stuff that uh, Lumer did himself. But overall, I just found, like, part of it's the colors in this book. But I found it just very unappealing. I find this book just kind of feels very dead to me. Which I guess is the point. It's all about Rot World. But to be honest, I mean, ever since issue one, I've never really liked the artwork and basic look of this book. Like, at least Swamp Thing has the greens kind of giving it some more life. That's just, I don't know, it, it just, it. I don't like the colors. I think the colorist is probably the, my main issue with it. Um... I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of the artwork anyway, to be honest. Um, but I think that the the uh, so the colors here by uh, Lovern Kinzerski uh, are definitely not helping the book at all. That being said, interesting issue. We got this green this new Green Lantern is on Earth. He's he's kind of explaining why he came to Earth, what the Guardians were trying to do, what happened to him now that he's been here. Um, and uh, Buddy and uh, his forces are basically fighting against this this creep, this monster, and they're trying to get basically go forward and 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 continue this big battle uh, to kind of save the world uh, from Arcane. That being said, uh, I still don't care about Frankenstein being here. I don't know. I, I it's not a bad storyline. I think I, I I like the the idea of the story a lot more than how it's been illustrated in general. I'm interested to see how it all kind of ends. Um, it, in some ways, it seems like the ending is coming too soon, but also can't come soon enough, which is a weird dichotomy, but that's just how I feel about it, and I don't know why exactly. Um, next up, so that was a 6.5 out of 10. Sorry, 6 out of 10, my bad, 6 out of 10. Next up is Avengers Arena number 3, which is a book I want to hate more than I do, uh, just mainly because I don't like any book that is basically, we're here to... Thin the ranks and kill off a bunch of characters. Now, I was listening to a different podcast. I believe it was uh, Comic Geek Speak, which is a really good podcast. You should give that a shot if you haven't tried it already. It's really fun stuff. Um, and they're talking about, you know, maybe this is, I mean, it's not like uh, Arcade or Mysterio or those types of characters haven't hooked people up to a VR construct before and then what they thought were murders wasn't real murders. So maybe that's all this really is. And I'm kind of hoping that it is. That being said, this was kind of an interesting issue because I really like Cammy, uh, who played a big part in Annihilation. And then you also have uh, Darkhawk here, who it's not really well explained. I, I don't remember what he was really doing the last time we saw him during, I guess, War of Kings or Realm of Kings or in that area. I like how he and Cammy interact here. I like how even Cammy even mentions the fact that, you know, why are you even here? Why are you, you're not a kid anymore? Like, why are you a teen hero? Why are you with the rest of us? This issue is really interesting and kind of cool, but only because I love Cammy, and I didn't realize how much I miss Cammy as a character because she's got a lot of spunk, a lot of personality, and she actually adds a lot to this issue. Like she is a great character. That being said, it looks like this issue kills off Darkhawk, which I'm not a huge fan of. If you told me four or five years ago 
that Darkhawk would potentially die and I would care. I'd be like, there's no way in hell that's possible. I don't care about Darkhawk at all. However, ever since Warf Kings, etc., I have obviously enjoyed the character more because I think Abnon Landing and those, the whoever was writing the cosmic books as well as them was doing a great job of kind of bringing him out of what we knew him to be uh, and where he used to be as like a kind of a more Earth-based hero, hero um, and bring him in more to a cosmic level, which is really cool. So bringing him back to Earth, I'm not a huge fan of, and then potentially killing him, I'm not a huge fan of either. That being said, i got to give credit to Dennis Hopeless that he did get me to care a little. Um, even though I still hate the whole concept of the book, and I hate that this book even exists, I didn't hate the issue, which is weird. Um, I'm full of dichotomies today. Uh, so this was written by Dennis Hopeless and artwork by Kev Walker, who I do do like. And his artwork on this issue especially, really cool. I love his take on Cammy. Really interesting stuff. Like, it's not forgetting who the character is, although she looks a little older than maybe she should be, but still really good stuff. I, I enjoyed it. As, I enjoyed this issue almost in spite of myself. I gave it a 7 out of 10. Uh, next up is Batwing number 16. Uh, I'm really up and down on this book because... Like, I feel like it doesn't need to exist at all, and I'm not a huge fan of of kind of some of the story beats, but I kind of like the idea that he's battling corruption, just like, you know, Gotham used to have corruption when when Gordon was the only good cop. Uh, it's basically, it's a corruption story, uh, that there's, you know, someone's been doing bad things, but because he's connected, he keeps getting out, uh, so Batman kind of sticks his nose in, and it's not going to go well for um, Batwing's alter egos, uh... A career nor his friend either. Uh, Fabian Nicisa wrote it with artwork by Fabrizio Fiorentino. Um, I don't actually have a lot to say about it. I just, it wasn't a bad issue. I feel like this is a weird book because I feel like it is kind of the run to the litter just because it has no recognition. Not that it's the worst book. I'm just of the Bat family. I'm just saying it's the lowest, one with the lowest amount of, of recognition besides maybe Talon uh, because it's a brand new character and I don't. I, I kind of go back and forth on this. I don't really know if the character has a lot of personality per se. And I think as part of it's just, and this isn't fair at all, it's just, I don't know if I can, if I, I care as much about the whole concept of a Bat character in Africa, just because the whole idea of Batman is very Gotham City, and I'm not, that's why in Batman Incorporated it didn't never really worked for me, and the whole Club of Heroes thing was kind of, I like the idea that there was copycats, but it didn't really like Batman Inc., kind of setting up and doing this kind of thing so i don't know it is what it is this wasn't a a horrible issue though by any means i mean the the book's not horrible it's just odd and half the time doesn't quite captivate you but again it kind of is what it is not that that's anything in substantive but i gave it a 7 out of 10 anyway um cable and x-force number three ah i don't know what to think about this book at all another book by dennis hopeless uh this artwork the artwork in this issue is by uh salvador la roca which, again, I, I'm just not a huge fan of the artwork in this book. I think, uh, and I said this in, I think in a previous podcast, or maybe not in, in one of the review podcasts, but somewhere, that I absolutely hate the colors uh, that LaRocca is having done over his artwork these days. And this isn't just a problem on this book. This was a problem uh, with um, the, the colors when uh, he was doing Invincible Iron Man as well. They're just not good. Uh, they're lifeless. They they kind of lack the the ability to really punch up the artwork with uh, I don't know, the words are almost escaping me. But just like 
even like the the uh, there's a cover at the back that's kind of showing what next issue's cover looks like. Even the colors there are a little bit more vibrant. I just feel like in general it's really lacking something, and it's really disappointing that that's kind of the, the case because it could be so much better than this. I mean, Laroca can be better than this. He just hasn't been in so long that I forget. Um, and and the story's very kind of forgettable and. The whole, I don't. I don't really know how I feel. I want to enjoy this more than I do, and I just feel like we don't really know what the point of this team is yet. We get a little bit more here because we got more idea into the mission, and I like how Forge is represented. But the, I don't know. The book is just kind of failing for me, and I hate Cable's stupid new kind of weird extendo arm. I, I don't know. I just feel like. I, I guess the story in general is probably more enjoyable to me than the artwork. I think the artwork is really dragging this book down. Um, it kind of made me wonder how good was Invincible Iron Man because I didn't remember disliking the artwork this much, but I do remember thinking that the artwork kind of held back the, the story a little. And now I'm thinking, like, maybe it held it back a lot. Maybe the story was a lot better in Fractions Run than I even ever gave it credit for because the artwork was that kind of just holding it back from its full potential. And that's how I felt with this issue entirely. I just, it could have been so much better than this, and it wasn't. And I, another six and a half out of ten, it, it was very much that kind of week. Um, now, going from lack of polish and good colors to extremely good polish and, and great colors, we have uh, Detective Comics number 16. This is written by John Lehman with artwork by Jason Fabak. Or Fabak. Um, absolutely love this. Now, the whole idea of the Emperor Penguin character, I'm still not really sure about. But I love the idea that Batman's taking on all these different kind of weird fringe groups that kind of, uh, not worship Joker, but are definitely inspired by him. Um, really kind of cool stuff. And the League of Smiles is a, kind of a cool concept and idea. And there's really messed up characters in here. And even the backup's really cool with kind of showing what uh, how devoted to trying to, to try and take over power uh, Emperor Penguin is. Um... Yeah, I actually surprisingly really enjoyed this. For the most part, the death of the family storyline has been really great crossover. What I liked here is that it wasn't... It, it was a crossover that didn't even need Joker to show up, which I liked. It was more, what is the impact of Joker being back uh, have on the crazies? I mean, even the movie Dark Knight was all about the, the idea that uh, the Jason... Uh, not Jason, the, um, the Joker attracts certain personality types. Uh, these kind of crazies, he's just this magnetic personality for them. Just as Batman kind of attracts the crazies as well to kind of oppose him, uh, the Joker attracts other crazies who kind of wor will worship his brand of chaos and, and crazy. And that's what this issue is kind of about, is that these, these people who are, have taken it upon themselves to really kind of be almost um, Joker fanboys. At any rate, I mean, it's a good issue. It's very enjoyable. Um... It does set itself apart from the other uh, Death of the Family tie-ins because it's not particularly about the Joker. It's just about Joker's effect on Gotham, which I th found to be quite fascinating. And I like that it wasn't just another Joker story, even though I have really been enjoying all the Joker stories we've been getting so far. So this is, so this is great. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I guess I gave it a 8.5 out of 10. And I think it was actually one of the highest scoring books this week. Um... Next up is Earth 2, number 8. Uh, really, really enjoying what uh, what James Robinson's been doing with this book, although it is a very different feel from the last seven issues, which, to be honest, is a nice change of pace. Uh, we've got a fill-in artist, uh, Yolda uh, Ray Sinar. Um, this is basically an issue about Steppenwolf and his fury, um, which is like the last Amazon. Uh, interestingly enough, it ends up being Wonder Woman's daughter, which is really kind of fascinating, and I'm interested to see how that's even, 
like what that means for the character, but I really like that. Um, it's kind of a done in one in a lot of ways. Steppenwolf has taken refuge. I didn't even realize he was on Earth, um, but he, stay, he takes refuge in this uh, in this country, and then he ends up turning on the, that country's uh, leader, and he kills him, and is kind of primary uh, uh, defense force, and decides that he's now the new lord of this area. And he's got the Fury, uh, the last Amazon, as his primary enforcer. Uh, it, there's really not much more to it than that, but it's extremely, extremely well done. I like how Steppenwolf is written. Um, I like the fight sequences are quite well done. The artwork is actually really nice, even though, I mean, we're getting a break from Nicole Scott, who I adore on this book, but this is still pretty enjoyable stuff. So I gave it a, it's very solid. I gave it an 8 out of 10 for issue 8 of Earth 2. Uh, very good. Brings us up to Fantastic Four number 3. Uh, this book is finally kind of embracing its mission statement after two issues of the Fantastic Four not in space having their big odyssey. Uh, we were just leading up to that before. Uh, the, uh, story is written by Matt Fraction with artwork by Mark Bagley. It does feel like Matt Fraction is probably enjoying writing FF more than Fantastic Four, but I do like it's very, um, very kind of old school... You know, the Fantastic Four are going to go on a journey, and they're going to have an adventure, and there's some little weird little dynamics amongst the team. And But I like that this is the family going out basically for a Sunday drive, uh, but that Sunday drive is going to take a year. They're doing a little bit of a field trip. Uh, things don't turn out quite the way they expected. They have to get away from like basically a hostile area, uh, and uh, the team has to kind of pull together in order to escape. Um, it's extremely well illustrated. Uh, this book is kind of lacking on the plot a little. I, if I had to kind of break down my rating, I would give this maybe a, I don't know, maybe a, not five, but maybe like a six in terms of the writing or around there. Um, and the artwork I'd possibly give, uh, like a nine. Like this is some really, really clean, polished stuff by, uh, Mark Bagley. The colors are, look fantastic on this book as well. Uh, it just it looks so nice, and it really pops off the page. So Fraction's kind of not doing a lot of the heavy lifting, because I think Mark Bakley's doing more of that, because he's establishing this great visual tone. Uh, you got Mark Farmer on inks and Paul Mounts on colors. Paul Mounts really helping this book come alive in terms of the colors. It's just it's a, ma- a majestic book in terms of the colors. I really love it. Um, so overall, I'm going to give the book a 7.5 out of 10, but really this is uh, a 9 in art that's being dragged down by a, by a 6 on story, and they're just getting a 7.5 overall. Uh, it looks great, doesn't read as well as you'd like it to. Uh, next up is Punisher Warzone number 3. I really enjoyed this. It was kind of a weird book. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of how Greg Rucker wrote uh, The Punisher. I'm interested in seeing in how the uh, story of uh, Rachel Cole Alves kind of ends. Uh, it's kind of a weird way of doing this book that you have different members of the Avengers basically going after, uh, after Frank. Uh, Greg Rucker wrote it by, artwork by, uh, Carmine DiGiDomenico. Um, I love his artwork. Uh, the storytelling is just brilliant. Uh, it's just a, and, and the way that Greg Rucker writes Thor is really good. Like, this is how Thor would seem to regular people. And I guess it, it felt more like we we're looking at, this is what it would be like if you kind of were confronted by a god. And then seeing how him and the Punisher interact is actually really cool. And I like how Punisher kind of uses the, the Thor um, kind of to do some of the kind of his dirty work for him. And then they end up having this uh, this chat afterwards where they uh, 
they basically have like a, a beer together. I do like there's a great panel where uh, Thor's telling you know Frank that you know this battle is ended. I said I will resolve this. Then we shall speak. And then he just punches him in the face and knocks him out. And then when they wake up, they have some beers and they talk. And I just think it's interesting how Rucka makes the uh, Punisher and Thor having a conversation not as odd as it sounds. Instead, it actually does feel like these two soldiers are having a conversation and if anyone would kind of get kind of this old old school you know revenge mentality that frank is, has going for him he kind of would be thor i mean thor as much as like he's, he's this hero he there's a dark side of thor this you know who he was before he kind of became more humble and more of a champion of the oppressed he was more of you know a viking god and revenge is not a totally barren concept and i think even the current visual uh the current look for Thor even fits well with this issue. I don't know, something about the way Thor looks now, I didn't like it when I first saw it, and some of the artists who have illustrated it don't do a good job of really conveying the power of it, but when they convey it right, it really looks like he is just like this Viking god, more so than the more slightly glitzy hero that it at times has appeared to be. Even the Kuipel uh, reinvention of the uh, character, which is been very very much accepted and embraced and it's become the movie version and no one's upset about it uh even that one is still a little bit more elegant and not as uh viking godish it's more of a god but not necessarily a viking god if that makes any sense there's something a little bit more rougher and raw about the current design whereas the other one is not um but i really enjoyed the issue gave it an 8 out of 10 i'll be sad when ruck is done writing the punisher because he just has such a great take on the character and um I forget who's writing uh, Thunderbolts, but whoever's writing Thunderbolts cannot in any way capture that. I think it's Daniel Way. You can't capture that same version of the Punisher, and it just doesn't fit. Whereas the Punisher here is this cold, calculating, but he, there is something more to him. And Rucka's not afraid to examine that, but also not make him have a gooey center either. Uh, next up is Scarlet Spider number 13. This book was a bit of a disappointment, especially after the last two. 12 and 12.1 were really strong outings. This issue, kind of not nearly as good. Uh, and I, I don't put most of the fault on the scripting. Actually, I, I think most of the problem was in the artwork. Uh, especially because you get that cool cover, by I believe, by Stegman. And you got a lot more kind of... Um, it's very... There's a lot of movement, a lot of fluidity on it. And then you get to this issue, and it kind of reminded me of Steve Dillon in terms of this kind of lifeless... Um, uh, it just kind of felt like the equivalent of when you look at someone and they have dead eyes. It's kind of like dead eyes, but in comic book form. Uh, artwork by Koi Fam. Koi Fam, I am up and down on. Sometimes I really love his stuff. This wasn't his best, and it didn't really work for me. Uh, Yost writing it. I still like the script. Um, I like how Kane is written. I like how we're kind of finally uh, circling back to kind of how this book first began and how uh, Kane met, er, er, I guess, Erisley or... Erasely, I don't know how you pronounce her name, but the artwork is a, a, a major uh, letdown. Uh, you have these new characters show up who are uh, tangling with Scarlet Spider, and they're kind of involved in this whole human trafficking concept. Uh, again, the script by Yost is strong. The artwork is, unfortunately, just a bit of a letdown. Uh, I gave it a 6 out of 10, and I think it would have been a 7, if not a little bit, maybe, maybe a little bit higher if the artwork had been more uh, substantial and just more enjoyable. It probably would have been a 7, but in, uh, as it is, I brought it down to a 6 because the artwork felt like a 5. It just wasn't, it didn't work for me. And there are certain panels with uh, Scarlet Spider swinging, and just the way that 
Uh, he kind of makes the even the eyes look, and they're kind of squinty, and not in like a cool Spider-Man-ish way. Uh, this just this issue didn't work for me on an artistic standpoint at all. Um, which actually is uh, something I'm also going to say about the next book we're going to look at, which is Secret Avengers number 36. The artwork here is atrocious. I just I I feel like this book would be so different if any anyone else illustrated it, because it's just not. There's just something lacking here. I don't I don't know what it is. It's just, and then you read the the covers by Arthur Adams, and his covers are fun and kind of silly because you know you have the ridiculous proportions and even like I don't know nothing. I mean, it's just this this book could be better and it should be better. But Scalera is not that great a penciler. Uh, Remender telling a cool story. I didn't really like it at first, but the more I've kind of thought about it and how he kind of took what started as, as a Shadow Council story and integrated it with the Descendants and the whole idea of father is actually pretty cool, but the artwork has never managed to really make that story work. You have the resolution of the Captain Britain on the other planet getting that orb, so that he finally makes it back to his own planet. You've got, um, I guess, what was it? Uh, I don't think it's Venom, but um, you got the two characters... Uh, Black Ant, or whatever his name is. Now I can't remember his name. Uh, he's kind of fighting as well, and he's kind of betrayed the team, and everyone's, like, really pissed about this. There's some really kind of cool moments. It's just the artwork is... It has no business being in this book. It's just not good. and It's trying to be kind of odd and off the wall, but... The, the, I don't know, the physical dimensions of some of the characters is wrong. One of these characters looks like he has a hunchback when he really shouldn't. Um... It's just not, it's not really well illustrated at all. It's its disappointing. And you'd think a, a book in the Avengers franchise, because it's such a huge franchise, they would give it a little bit more care, but they don't. And so, and this book, and this is not a new problem. This is something that's kind of been happening for, I'd say almost 13 issues, or maybe like about a year of very subpar art. We'll have a few issues of good art, maybe, or at least it's more enjoyable, or it's not horrible, and then and then it will kind of get kind of go the uh, go south again, and it's very disappointing because it should be better, and it's just not. Um, I'm just double checking my issue again. I do like Venom and Black Ant's uh, discussion and and their confrontation because I did like how they were bonding prior to Eric's death, uh, and still not a big fan of him dying and coming back as this stupid Black Ant character. Um, so yeah, overall, I'll give this a six out of ten as well. It's just it was disappointing. Um, next up is a book which, for me, feels like I should be talking about it first, because I'm used to Spider-Man being amazing. Uh, not, not, not being an amazing book, being the amazing Spider-Man. So alphabetically, it's usually first, so now it's much lower in the list. Like, I was looking at a diamond shipping list to see what issues were coming out, and I was like, oh, uh, where's Spider-Man? Oh, yeah, Superior Spider-Man. It's down there. Um, so Superior Spider-Man starts off with issue number one. Uh, Dan Slott does a very good job of writing the story. Now, if you've re- uh, you haven't listened to it yet because it hasn't come out yet, but episode uh, forty four, I believe, uh, our next episode is our spotlight on uh, Spider Man Dying Wish, and so we're talking about uh, Amazing Spider Man six ninety eight to seven hundred. Uh, now that episode was recorded long before Superior Spider Man came out, but there's something that uh, Nathan Strzok had talked about in that podcast, and that he didn't like how. Uh, in 698, you had uh, Peter Parker acting like Peter Parker, but then the bait and switch at the end of the issue, you find out it's Doc Ock. But yet, the issue is written in the first person, and there's nothing that makes you think that this is out of the ordinary. And basically, 
his his contention was that a character would not think these thoughts because who is he fooling? He's not fooling anyone. He doesn't have to because he's those are his inner thoughts. And I was like, well, maybe there was something with the merging of the characters, etc., whatever. This issue kind of makes it clear that, that that definitely wasn't the case. Doc Ock is very much, he is thinking like Doc Ock. He has the memories. He's kind of got some of these muscle memories as well. Like he, But at the end of the day, he is Doc Ock in Spider-Man's body. I really enjoyed this issue for the most part. Um, but I think a lot of the credit must go to the artwork. Uh, Ryan Stegman... Uh, he was recently on uh, Fantastic Four. Before that, he was he had an amazing run starting Scarlet Spider, which I'm hoping was the reason why they tapped him for Spider-Man, because he was so good in that book. And I wish he was still on it, because he made Scarlet Spider absolutely gorgeous to look at. But now he's making this book gorgeous to look at. And I love how Dan Slott is taking this opportunity to show uh, the idea that Spider-Man is holding back and he's never really fully explored his potential, even though he's been doing much better over the last few years and being part of Horizon, etc. He's always had so much on the go that he's never quite adapted and and uh, made himself able to really hunker down and be as scientific as he could be. So now we're seeing a brilliant Spider-Man. Like, not that Peter Parker wasn't brilliant, but he wasn't as tactical. And now we're having a tactical Spider-Man. So Spider-Man is able to take down this new Sinister Six extremely easily by just having great planning and organization and being able to uh, beforehand make sure that he basically controls an environment and he is able to neutralize his opponents quite easily. Um, so that's really, really cool stuff. The only, I guess the, the big kind of shock ending on the last page is that we have an astral plane basically version of peter parker he's still in there he's still fighting and he wants to find his way back now my problem with this isn't that it's happening my problem is that this shouldn't have happened in the first issue now i get why it has to they needed to happen in the first issue so that people who are really pissed off about 700 would be like oh oh you got me we're gonna have him come back soon Whereas I would have rather had an arc where you're slowly building up to what's wrong with Otto? Why isn't he quite his self, himself? Why isn't why has he done some of these heroic things when he shouldn't be? He should be doing some more villainous things. And then if they then twisted it and said, "Now look, this is why." Whereas after the one issue, we don't get enough build up to that revelation. That revelation could have meant something more. Instead, it just felt like really we just said goodbye in seven hundred and he's already back. Obviously, we knew he was going to come back, but it just felt too soon. Um, but overall, good issue. I'd say the script was about a 7. The artwork was about a 9. I gave it an 8 overall, but still enjoyable. <laughs> the artwork is brilliant. Uh, for his artwork alone to pick this up, it's so enjoyable to see how he illustrates the characters. and his, his, He's got such a dynamic sense of showing how Spider-Man really moves in, ac- in action. Uh, this basically is Otto Octavius's first full day on the job, I guess, so to speak. You see him operating as Peter Parker. You see him going up a sinister going up against the Sinister Six and basically taking them down. That's basically what the issue is all about, is just kind of him getting into the status quo and seeing how different his version of Peter is. Um, I think Stegman's artwork is... There's so many subtleties in the art, which is which are just really magnificent to look at because he portrays Peter Parker as like he's, he's, he's sitting up straighter than he was before. Uh, this, these little tiny artistic touches that he doesn't feel like he's Peter anymore. Like, we're looking at Peter, but it, we're seeing it filtered through an auto lens, and it feels like he's he's uh, using the body language of the characters to really kind of emphasize that. So I really, I really dug this. Um, so we're moving into, I guess, the latter half of our books that we're going to look at. We've got about six books left. Uh, we've got Swamp Thing 16. I enjoy this. I enjoy this much more than Animal Man 16. 
we have here a revelation on kind of what I actually really like this issue because I love Barbara Gordon. So Barbara Gordon has survived what's happened because of Rot World. Um, she was injected with a cure by, from Batman when Batman kind of let himself kind of go, but he wanted to save his, at least one of his out the only ally he could get to. Uh, we have uh, Al Collin kind of learning about what Batman had planned to do um, and being able to use it to hopefully fight back against the Rot. And uh, basically like a giant bat robot loaded up with uh, uh, basically like this, not an antidote per se, but like something to fight against, harness the power of the green against the rot. Um, so the issue is mostly half flashback and kind of learning about this and then them, uh, him finding out what's happened in Gotham City where they've been able to, um, you know, save some people and store them and then building this, this uh, antibody and then activating it, uh, attaching it to himself in such a way that he can uh, then kind of enter the fray and hopefully go to Metropolis, fight against the, uh, against the uh, corrupted heroes and take the fight right to, to Anton Arcane. Uh, so I enjoyed this. It was quite good. Um, the, I gave it a, let's see, a 7.5 out of 10. It's pretty solid stuff. The artwork was by, uh, I believe, Yannick Paquette, and it was written by Scott Snyder. Uh, this month I enjoyed it more than Animal Man. I think generally I've enjoyed Animal Man more. So, you know, every once in a while things swap and things change. Uh, next up is Thor God of Thunder number one. I think this book is extremely, um, oh, what's the word? It's, it's, it's not that it's reaching, it's very, um, it's got high, lofty expectations in terms of what it wants to do. It, 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 it's not limiting itself. It's saying we're going to try and do all these things. It's, very high concept, but I don't necessarily think it's managed to work all that well. Jason Aaron's writing it with the side of Rebecca Art. I like, kind of like the idea that it's set in three different time frames, but at times it just is a bit confusing. But I do like that it gives the whole concept of the God Butcher a little bit more depth. I don't think we need to see the future version as much, but I do like that we have the past and present versions. Uh, this issue, we're finding out more about the God Butcher, uh, why the God Butcher is, is saving Thor for last. Um, in the present, uh, we're finding out more about, uh, you know, some of the, another, uh, godlike character that, or god character that has kind of escaped the god butcher and doesn't ever want to be found by it again. And, uh, this relentless search for the god butcher. Interesting. I'm still not quite sold on it, but, um, you know, it's not a bad book. It, it leaves me feeling a little cold because I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. There's issues, I think issue two I really liked, and then last issue wasn't sure, and it's kind of, I gave it a seven, which is kind of a middle-of-the-road kind of rating. It's not a bad book at all, but again, I'm not really sure how I feel about it, which is almost worse in some ways. Uh, next up is Thunderbolts number three, which is a book I do not like. Uh, I gave it a six and a half, sorry, six, six and a half out of ten. Uh, I feel like it's it's really hard for me to judge this book because of the Steve Dillon artwork. Uh, it's written by Daniel Way. I like Daniel Way. I think I'd really like this book if anyone else in the world was illustrating it. Um, I think if I was illustrating this, I would enjoy it more, even though it looked terrible. Uh, I think Mac Diodato would have been a great choice to, to uh, illustrate this book. Um, I just... I, I have not in any way enjoyed how... how what this book looks like. I, I like the idea of Red Hulk having this team. I even I even like the idea that kind of of Red uh, Red Hulk and Deadpool having this little back and forth that they've had. I like how Venom's been used in this book. The way the Punisher's being used feels a little odd and awkward, but 
they're pulling it off. Uh, even the use of Samuel Stearns and kind of this red leader, I don't really get what that's all about and why, but that's kind of okay. Um, the, the issue definitely ends in a bit of like a, whoa, what, what the hell? Uh, although Deadpool totally called it. Um, but at the end of the day, this book, this is a book that is, and this isn't the only time this happened this week, a book that's been dro- uh, brought down by its art. I think this could have been maybe an 8. Um, but I, I think the artwork's more of an 8, and the, sorry, not the artwork, wow, that was a Freudian slip of everyone. Uh, the writing, I would say, is almost an 8, and I would say the artwork is more like a 5, and you're give, it's giving you this weird 6.5 overall rating, and it's just, it doesn't work all that well. Um, next up is World's Finest, number 8. I feel like this is just a recurring theme this week. A lot of books that just don't quite work. Um, what's good about this book is everything with Helena Wayne. What's bad about this book is everything with Power Girl. Um, so this this issue is written by Paul Levitz. Got artwork by George Perez. Um, it's it's got some great uh, Huntress action. You have Huntress going home, and basically someone's targeting her, and she's got to fight against these assassins. And then uh, she's not doing so well, so Karen saves her life. And then from there, Karen has a story. I couldn't even tell you what happens because I was so disinterested. But the Helena Wayne stuff, we see flashbacks to um, her her life growing up and her her family life and how uh, her dad pushed her and how her mom believed in her, but her dad was so tough on her that at times it seemed like he didn't believe in her, but it's really because he just wanted her to be ready. Uh, I really like the flashbacks, and the, I, I like seeing how Batman and Catwoman even operated as parents, both when they were solo on the, uh, like, one-on-one with the child, with Helena, and also when they were together with her. Um, really kind of cool stuff. Again, the artwork by Perez is not not bad. Uh, I think the action pack stuff was a lot more interesting. Again, the Wayne, the Helena Wayne stuff was really well illustrated. I thought the stuff with uh, Power Girl was a little bit less interesting. And that goes both for the story and for the artwork. Uh, I gave the book in a whole six and a half. I, I feel like if I was to put the book up, just like I have already in other reviews, I would give the writing and the art on the Helena Wayne portion an eight. And I would give a five for the Power Girl stuff. I just felt it was rudderless and not all that enjoyable. The last page, not really sure what that means. Uh... Is Batman going to be in this book? What does that mean? I It just felt really awkward. Like, here's a boot. I don't understand the significance. Maybe I'm forgetting something from the last issue, but it seemed to come out of nowhere and had no relevance, or or it, it didn't it didn't mean anything to me as a reader, so I just didn't get why it was even there. It felt like an odd decision to include it. Uh, next up is X-Men Legacy number four. What a weird book. Uh, this is actually a pretty good issue, though. I kind of dug it. Uh, you have Legacy going up against the X-Men, who have kind of been hunting him, and uh, it's kind of weird but cool stuff, and you have him interacting with these two characters that he's helped save, and they're just trying to help him in his mind as well. Simon Spurrier wrote this with artwork by uh, Jorge Molina. Um, I think this book has so much, uh, so much in terms of uh, potential. The artwork is not all that good, uh, but I do like how David's written here, and how he doesn't want to be called Legion, and he's still trying to kind of uh, come to grips with his own powers and 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 learning how to use all his powers and which ones are more important to use and I I just don't know if it's quite there yet I I feel like this is a very long setup towards uh, a certain direction and I'm not sure what that act- that direction is going to end up being and I'm not even sure if I really care 
Uh, I gave it a 7 out of 10. It's not a bad book. It's got some interesting concepts, and I like his interaction with the X-Men and how he kind of fights them off. But uh, it could, it should and could be more than this, and I'm hoping that we get there. I feel like once this, I guess the first, what, five or six issues are the first arc, I, I feel like once the first arc's over, maybe we'll get a better sense of where this book's going to go. But right now, it's kind of directionless, and that's not giving me a huge um, incentive to read every issue. I'm reading it because it's Marvel Now, and I'm trying to uh, read as many of the Marvel Now books as possible for the podcast, but uh, if it wasn't for the podcast, I probably wouldn't even read this. I, I would have read maybe the first issue and said, you know what, that's not really for me, and that would have been it. So that is our show. Now, there was a lot of books I didn't get to this week. I apologize. There's various reasons for that. Uh, looking at the list, there's uh, Dark Tower, Gunslinger, Shimi's Tale number 1, um, I haven't followed Dark Tower since the, I think two or three miniseries ago. Although I did re- I bought them for a long time. I stopped reading them about halfway through my buying career just because I kept buying them because I'd be like, I'm going to read this, and I never did. So I finally yanked the cord and I haven't gone back, and I don't feel like the need to read anymore. Not that these, it's probably good. I mean, they generally have been. I just didn't read it myself. Uh, Dial H, it's not a book that I've really enjoyed the artwork on before. Uh, I remember being disappointed with issue zero, so I've just kind of taken a pass on the series uh, on the whole. Uh, Ferris number 11, I haven't followed up with it at all, although I had the first trade I was just lent uh, by Amber Struck, who's a freaking guest, and you'll hear her on an upcoming episode, episode 46. Um, so I'll give that a pass for now. Uh, first X-Men, I read the first three issues. Didn't like it. I didn't need to read it. Uh, Green Arrow, I haven't enjoyed really since the New 52 hit, so I give that a pass as well. I have been reading Green Lantern New Guardians, however, I read a few pages of the of the annual. I hated the colors, hated the artwork, I just found it was very, uh, it didn't captivate me, it didn't engage me at all. It just felt like dead, again, it was dead eyes. So I decided to give that a pass, at least for now, I haven't read it. Uh, Human Bomb number two, haven't read the first one, so I didn't bother reading this one. Uh, Marvel Universe vs. the Avengers number 4, haven't read any of the first three, so I gave this one a pass this time around. Phantom Stranger number 4, I didn't like the first three issues, so I said, you know what, I haven't enjoyed you, I'm going to take a pass. Punisher Nightmare number 2, didn't like the first issue, didn't feel like reading more. Secret Service number 5, I just have fallen out of touch with this book, I didn't realize they got that many issues out already. Uh, so that's the only reason I didn't read it yet. Stormwatch 16, I might come on to this book when Jim Starlin jumps on in a few months. Uh, until then, I'm going to hold off. Uh, and then, finally, Ultimate Comics X-Men. I haven't read any of these books, so that's why I gave it a pass. I only read Ultimate Comics Spider-Man. The other ones I have no real interest in, nor have I really been following. Um, so that is everything that came out on January the 9th. Uh, so thanks again for joining me for this episode. This was episode 43, and I was your host, Adam Chapman. Um, just in look into the future, we have episode 44 coming up in either two or three days, which is our spotlight on Spider-Man Dying Wish, and I'll be joined by my guests, Paul Scorez and, uh, Nathan Strzok. Uh, following from there, we have our next reviews episode, which will be hopefully out on January the 20th. Then on the, um... 23rd of January, we've got episode 40, uh, I guess 6, which is going to be the uh, top 5 favorite X-Men episode, uh, where I sit down with Paul Scorez, Nathan Strzok and Amber Strzok, talk about our favorite characters uh, who are X-Men then after episode 46 we've got episode 47, which will be uh, yet again another reviews episode that'll be up on, I guess the 27th, and then finally on the 30th of January, hopefully, will be our next Talking Hero Clicks episode. So, uh, make sure to look forward to that. 
Uh, thanks again for joining us for, uh, for the show. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, or you can also like us on Facebook. Yeah, if you send us uh, any messages on Facebook, uh, sometimes a little slow to respond on Facebook, but uh, you will, will eventually get uh, a response. Uh, we are looking for feedback because we'd like in the future to have a feedback episode where we kind of look through some of the questions that people have sent in and and uh, we basically want to address any you know any of our fans' uh, concerns or questions or interests, whatever you have, might have. Uh, or just want to tell us what kind of books you're reading recently. Um, and plus with our regular episodes, not the review episodes, but the, I guess the special feature episodes, uh, we're always looking for feedback from those because we want to be able to kind of target... What do you want to see next? What do you want to ha- hear us talk about? What do you want to have us uh, kind of uh, dissect? And which guests do you want me to have back so that we can have these conversations? Um, so hopefully uh, we'll get some feedback on those areas and we'll be able to uh, make sure that we are able to improve the uh, the series, sorry, not the series, the podcast, uh, to make sure that it continues to be enjoyable for those of you who are subscribed. I also want to thank everyone who's subscribed so far. Uh, I think we're about to hit the 3,000 download mark. Um which is pretty good for the little podcast that can. Um, you know, we're still a very new podcast. We've only been around, uh, I guess, four, now five months. Uh, we're building up our subscriber base. Thank you to everyone who is uh, subscribed to the show. If you've turned anyone else on to the show, I just want to thank you for that as well. Uh, I really appreciate it. I really enjoy doing the podcast, and uh, I, I'm glad that people are out there enjoying it and downloading it and uh, are subscribed to it. That's really exciting for me. Um, cause I've, I've been thinking about doing a podcast forever and then I finally, uh, started doing it in September and sorry, not September, August. So I guess this is actually this almost, uh, six months that I've been doing it now. Uh, but I've just been loving every minute of it and I'm glad people are enjoying the podcast and, uh, hopefully we'll continue to give you some great content in the future. So thanks again and, uh, we'll see you next time.